0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Seaweed Brain. We are recording on a very busy day and a busy week for the the Seaweed Brain community, but we had to make sure to schedule in our finale Mm -hmm. of The Chalice of the Gods. Yeah, Carter
1: almost wasn't here for this episode. This was almost the only episode of Seaweed Brain ever to not have Carter because Carter just got off a plane from Los Angeles to New York City, much like the demigods once did.
0: Yeah, Well, not from Los Angeles, but...
1: From California. From California. We'll take it.
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh, Apologies in advance if the audio is a little bit weird for this because we are currently sharing a mic in Erica's apartment.
1: But all for exciting reasons. So (laughs) stick around. We're going to finish the Chalice of the Gods
2: today. Woo!
1: All right. We have two special guests here because I have been so disorganized in planning this book. Um, But it's been so nice to have people jump in and express that they want to talk about this book. Everybody loves this book so much. And we're going to finish the last four chapters today joined by a semi-returning, semi-new guest, Lachlan, who hosts We Accidentally Vaporized
3: Our Podcast. Hi. Yeah, it's funny because then we actually did. Um, So if you want to- the first two and three quarter books it was a good time and then we both had college and life but yeah it's still out there
1: i admire your ability to relinquish your unpaid hobby that is obviously something i have not learned how to do
3: yet oh it (laughs) It makes makes me sad every day though i keep trying to to figure out some new podcasts i can do so that's why you're here right now though to reinvigorate the pod
1: love yes exactly and our Second brand new guest today is Sherry, all the way from the newest Olympian. Hi, Sherry.
2: Hi. I'm so excited. I've been dying to talk about this book, but because Mike has only finished the first five books, I can't like talk about it with him. And (laughs) no one else I know has read these books. (laughs) At least not tell (laughs) us.
1: For anyone who maybe isn't like a deep like who may have not recognized you immediately by your voice, explain what you do in the Percy Jackson realm.
2: Yeah. So I edit The Newest Olympian, which is another Percy Jackson podcast hosted by Mike Schubert. It follows his journey reading the books for the first time as an adult because he didn't read them as a kid. And I cold emailed Mike asking for an internship. And then he kept me on as his editor. And he happened to be starting the Percy Jackson podcast right when I started. So... It's been a good time.
1: Yay! Um, That crisp, clear, clean audio coming from Sherry right now. Can we just enjoy that? Wow. (laughs) It's beautiful. We're in my living room and I have basically no furniture. So if you're ever like, why is Erica's audio always so echoey? It's because I have
2: basically no furniture. And I'm stuffed in a tiny New York apartment with too much furniture.
1: (laughs) 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 Maximism is dead, right? Isn't that? Yeah. Aren't we back into maximalism now?
0: Yeah. Like furniture-wise? Yeah that's right yeah, yeah that's, that's what i've seen life. that's what
1: i've seen on tiktok yeah. um anyway we have a one thematic question for the both of you um in regards to the chalice of the gods and that is what would the chalice of lachlan and the chalice of sherry dispense cats <laughs> cats are a liquid is to drink drinkable cats <laughs> Is it drinkable cats or is I'm it sorry. Um, <laughs> cuddleable cats? Because we're C- not going to judge you either way.
3: Oh no, it's just like a bunch. Do you ever see that meme where someone walks in holding a what looks like a bouquet of roses, but it's just a bunch of little kittens in there? Mm-hmm. <gasps> that that's what it is. Yeah. It's just full of almost little kittens like a cornucopia. Yes, it's a cornucopia yes. of kittens.
2: Oh, beautiful! I have thought about this. I think it would dispense like the perfect mocktail. Because I'm quite allergic to alcohol. Oh, (laughs) wow. Yeah. It makes fun drinks a little difficult. So it'd be like whiskey based with like a little fruitiness and then something sparkling. because I love a good carbonated drink, but it would have all the like mature flavors of a cocktail, but not have alcohol in it. So I don't turn red all over. Sherry, you
1: are speaking my language right now. That's beautiful, Sherry. Thank you. That being out of the way. Dare we dive in to chapter 32, Grover eats my leftovers. Now, I have notably, suddenly, for the first time, enjoyed Grover. Grover, For the first time, I like really enjoy Grover's presence and I never used to. And I don't know if that's because I'm reading it more in Arian's voice or like why that was.
2: He's definitely matured.
1: Yes. Mm.
0: Mature, I think that there is. In the original iteration of the books, kind of leaning on the classic trio trope a little bit harder in the most classical orientation where the third person is there for comedic relief, is the least competent, is kind of there because you need there to be two boys for young male audiences to tune in do you i think we all know what phenomenon is being described here right yes. and i think that what we are unlocking here is a more useful thoughtful version of this in which what grover is providing is still sometimes comic relief but like a clearly defined third set of competencies that has a little bit more to do with relational and emotional intelligences right would yeah. we characterize that
1: i think he's funnier is what i was gonna say <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, I definitely feel a big difference between the two versions
0: of Grover.
2: He's definitely less scared and more confident in himself. Hundred mm. percent.
0: Yes, I think that that the chapter where he is meeting—I can't remember the person's name. Soho Photography. Blanche. Blanche. Right. <laughs> Iconic streetcar name. Yes yes, yes. 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 Um. When the chapter where he's with her, I feel like we got a proto version of that in the Titan's Curse right where he's like following the hunters around yes and tripping over himself and being like they're so cool
1: <gasps> You're, that's such a good example of how different these two portrayals of Grover exactly. are exactly yeah.
0: whereas now he's like oh she's really cool I respect her a lot but then they respect each other and yeah. he's not being you know like really thirsty weird about it Yeah, (laughs) because
1: I would say like the way that he was interested in the hunters of Artemis was not slay queening, was not like it was bad. Yeah, I don't think he
0: fully understood them. I don't think he fully respected them. They clearly did not want to have him around. He was not making himself a a fun, useful presence in their lives. Yeah, value added. Yeah, you know.
1: Uh huh. But now, yeah, wow. Okay, this makes a lot of sense. Thank you all for validating my feelings that Grover is better now.
0: We bring this up because the chapter is titled "Grover Grover Eats eats My my leftovers." Leftovers." We left off, as you may or may not remember, having successfully delivered the chalice back to Ganymede during brunch at Olympus. And now we are basically just winding down, wrapping things up for the last few chapters. Um, at this point, we are taking the elevator down. We have another dig at Cher. For some reason. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> we you
1: know we Rick- should have, you know what we should have asked Rick, is how do you feel about Mamma Mia?
0: How do you feel about trying to say that Percy Jackson is homophobic? <laughs> is what we should have asked him yeah af- after these vicious, unfounded attacks and share that we have I think successfully um contested, we um make our way down and out to yeah. meet up with Grover with the um with the titular leftovers. yeah, Percy got a demigod bag, a demi bag.
2: cute, like they're dogs. I love that. <laughs> they are though the gods treat them like they're little pets,
1: Yes. yeah. I also liked that Grover clarified for us all for me that there aren't llamas in Crete. And that's why the joke is funny. I feel like we got, Rick got down the elevator and was like, wait, I don't think that the kids are going to understand the joke. Let me explain it. And he was right for that because I didn't understand. The joke. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> the specific joke is that he asked if they were Vicuña or Guanacos, which are of course other species that are very closely related to the llama. Um, oh, we should have looked this up ahead of time and really prepared ourselves on the biology. There's this phenomenon where I believe one of the, like like a vicuña is like a non-domesticated version of the llama. Like llamas exclusively exist as domestic animals and they've so genetically differentiated themselves that they're like, it, it, it's like a, like a domestic dog and a wolf, you know?
1: If anyone else was trying to, like, pull this out of their butt right now, I would be like, stop. But Carter worked at the zoo for several years and has a secretly very vast amount of knowledge about animal species.
3: So it's okay. We can let Carter riff on this. I would like to support Carter here because I listened to a podcast about animals and evolution. And I'm pretty sure she talked about this at one point. So I support Carter here.
0: Yes. Yes. I literally... If we were professional podcasters, there'd be a fact checker right now. Being like, actually, <laughs> this is da, 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 like this is the relationship between all the different species. But um yeah. instead, exercise is left to the reader. Um, <laughs> Grover, Grover, Grover does a little bit of fact-checking for us here about how llamas are not from Crete. And um, we we get a little broader debrief with Grover. Yeah. And specifically start to unpack the most surprising part of this whole exchange, which is Athena deciding to help Percy and not maybe kill him, which you might remember her alluding to wanting to do, attempting to do voting for in the past. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, she really did vote. Um, we get an enchiladas callback too, which was cute. I just noticed that for the first time right now.
0: I forgot about that mm-hmm. because they're vegetarian.
1: Yeah, and the enchiladas was a big thing yeah. in the first series. Yeah, Huge thing. But now I think it's funny.
0: You you weren't like you've been able to retcon the enchiladas, yeah. Being funny,
1: you didn't like the enchiladas. (laughs) No, that was like my main anti Grover point. I was like,
3: the enchiladas, enchiladas.
1: not funny. Stop making enchiladas your entire personality,
3: but it's a fun word to say. Like, what about the enchiladas food fight at the Hoover Dam? Wait, those were burritos. (gasps) Were those, you're right, those were burritos. I'm so sorry. You said a llama and a
1: vicuna is different,
3: (laughs) (laughs) it's the same thing here.
1: Do not confuse a burrito and an enchilada, especially when they're your whole personality.
0: And especially because in this case, I think it—it it was the—he it, was being Zoe Deschanel before Zoe Deschanel. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. With the enchilada <laughs> gag, like that's what was happening. Is yeah. he was being like, I don't eat tacos. I don't eat burritos because I'm a vegetarian and I eat enchiladas.
1: I followed you. Maybe some of our <laughs> listeners will follow you as well on that.
0: Like it's because it was a fun word to say and because it was non-normative that Mm -hmm. he was so into talking about enchiladas. But now we've had a break. I'm ready. It's a good callback.
1: I agree. Is this where Grover says that he's like really glad that he didn't lose Percy? Yes.
3: Oh my god. The emotion. I love when male-identifying people are like emotional with each other and express how much they care about each other. Like we need more of this. So Grover like almost crying. Yeah. Saying that he was so scared to lose Percy and then Percy be like, Oh my gosh, meet me too, man. Like it's like wiping tears from his eyes. Like it's like we need more of this. So this just made me so happy. I agree. Men need friends. And Men need
0: friends that they can be emotional with.
3: As
2: Marcello said on weekend Update. Yes, yes, I was just about to say. <laughs> <cry. laughs> Sherry. Sherry, you say it. You explain it. <laughs> He was like, "Men are depressed because they have no support system. Because men do not support other men, and they do not let each other be emotional." Great SNL bit. Everyone should go watch it.
0: It's honestly barely a bit.
2: That's true. Yeah, it,
0: it's like him doing stand up and basically just stating truths of the world. Like, there's barely any like jokes. There's barely any like little bit character. Yeah, he does, like one or two bit characters, but mostly it's four minutes of him just like saying like cultural critique. Men don't have friends. It's kind of funny.
1: You guys, I reposted but they're all depressed. I reposted that after it happened like to kind of subtweet somebody I know who doesn't have friends and I and that, that that takes an emotional toll on their life and they literally saw it and they received the subtweet which is terrible because now I'm going to think that like subtweeting via posting SNL clips is like an effective way to convince men to think about themselves when that should not be a habit that I'm forming. Do you know what I mean? A, a
0: lot of arcs on SNL have been like men being able to reach men and critique them Mm. and then eventually getting a little bit too famous and losing the losing the original thread of that
1: Mm. Mm.
0: marcello we're rooting for you oh we love stay on track girl (laughs) Uh, (laughs)
1: uh, yes very happy to see grover expressing his love for percy
0: he's also i think trying to set a context here we you know there are a lot of callbacks in the book he explicitly is like these were the other hard experiences we've had Mm. this is up there with them which is i think partially for us to be like this was important we've been on a journey together even though this book is a little bit shorter and we have maybe like lost our sense of scale in the course of these books grovers like reasserting here's a sense of scale this was a big deal i felt the stakes but also reminding us of discrete past events that were also like not just like scary, but I think had similar levels of like emotional valence where like it wasn't just like this was a difficult monster, but there was some sort of innate reason based on where Percy was in his life and the kind of emotional challenge represented by the monster that we thought that the risk was similarly high.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, he says this is the most scared I've ever been in my life besides when I was in the Sea of Monsters, Cyclops Cave alone. But Grover is going to deliver Annabeth's hat down to school. I love that Percy's like not going to keep it until the next time he sees her that like we know that this is so important that somebody has to travel to downtown in order to deliver it to her.
2: He would also lose it knowing Percy.
3: <laughs> I do love that he corrects the size of it, like back to Annabeth's size. Like that that's just such a cute thing.
1: That was like the number one thing I wanted to talk about in this set of chapters. It's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> Percy changing the size of the cap, readjusting it from his size to Annabeth's size before giving it to Grover to return to her. That is love.
2: That is truly like. It is.
1: It's the little things, the little actions, the little ways he shows he cares. Who do you think has
0: a bigger head? Probably Annabeth, right?
2: (laughs) (laughs) For that brain. brain. Canonically, it's
0: Percy. Is it? Okay. Okay. I was trying to find the passage to be like, which way, did, did they say which way he You No, adjusted, it just says the largest size, adjusted. I
2: think. In an earlier chapter.
3: I think it depends on what how her hair is styled.
0: Fair. What Sometimes size you going to try to put the pony through it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a whole The thing. braids,
3: you know, yeah. yeah. And I'm assuming you guys did talk about this weird new thing where when you wear the invisibility cap, you're suddenly itchy all over. Like, and the fact that, that Percy
0: has from? worn the hat before and didn't talk about this.
3: All of Titan's curse. Like <laughs>
0: mm. One of our listeners talked to me um, this weekend. One of our listeners, who is also someone I know in real life. Um, <laughs> oh,
1: I was like, Carter, you are not running the social media. I was
0: like, who? <laughs> I do not run the social media. Somebody was talking to me in real life about the episodes. And they were like, you know, I think that you need to be a little bit careful because... When Rick does a callback to a moment that is not that easy to remember, you all are like, wow, that was really emotionally impactful. I felt that that was a thoughtful inclusion. And when he does something like potentially forgets about the large stretches of the Titans curse where Percy was wearing the hat, you both are like, oh, that's a little awkward. That's fine. It doesn't change the emotional truth of the story and doesn't invalidate all the other times that we are, like, emotionally very moved by Rick remembering things that he himself wrote and edited and promoted and is now adapting.
1: Wait, what what was your friend trying to say about that?
0: They were saying, you're being a little hypocritical. They're saying, like... (laughs) <laughs> you can't live for Rick when he remembers things if he doesn't always remember things and you don't care when he doesn't remember things. So
3: we're I making a much bigger deal over the cute little callbacks.
0: We're saying enchiladas, that's really funny, but also like Rick not remembering how like it was really like, I feel like it was really mo- meaningful and emotional and relevant to the course of the book that Percy spent like huge spans of time wearing Anabeth's invisibility hat in the Titans curse. And we're just kind of being like, eh, maybe just didn't notice. Maybe yeah. he forgot.
3: Yeah. I think oh, he oh, I didn't mean, know it. it super bothers me, but I was gonna calm down a little bit since this isn't my podcast. But and I and again, I thought you guys already talked about it in previous chat. If you haven't, yeah.
0: we did go talk ahead. about it on the last episode. Okay, okay. but I think like the, specifically this person was like, oh, like you like downplayed that a lot. And I thought that was really interesting.
1: Wait, <laughs> this person wants us to be more critical of Rick? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs>
0: So, my and my, I had to like pause a little bit and be like, I think they did gag me a bit. And then I had to pause and be like, wait, actually, no. I unfortunately think that you're just not correct in the emotional meaning of Rick remembering a moment that the two of them shared in the first books is actually really meaningful, and Percy forgetting something about the sensation of the invisibility hat it's not actually that emotionally no. meaningful.
1: Also, to quote something Mark said on our podcast, Mark Oshiro said on our podcast, like one of the great things about Rick's books is Rick is unafraid to challenge his own mythology and to change things even when it may contradict or like edit the lore. So if we want to go back and come up with any number of reasons why Percy didn't comment on the itchy sensation previously... I'm happy to do that and to headcanon some things. Maybe 13 year old boys are always itchy, and so he didn't
3: notice a difference.
0: <laughs> Growing pain, maybe.
3: <laughs> don't <dope> wear deodorant. <laughs> they were in the woods lots. Maybe he just had poison ivy the entire book.
0: Literally, yes. maybe it was that. Maybe he was like, ooh, Uku's at school today. I don't know. <laughs> also, I don't remember
2: where I heard Got this. Lice. It was probably while I was editing Mike's podcast, but it might have been the episode with Stephanie Laurie. I don't know, but. um. It was Love like her. you don't get a second draft of a book, so like this is Rick's chance to like add in lore, and it's fun. 100%. Absolutely,
0: it is for the best for everyone, including us and including Rick, that we're not trying to approach this like what is a good analogy, like Star Wars or something, where like every mm-hmm. we were supposed to be locked into a very specific continuity. We're not doing that. It's mythology.
2: Yeah,
0: it's mythology. The whole point
2: is that it changes. The timeline's already messed
3: up.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Wait, how old are they? 16, 17,
3: 18, 17. One of my favorite things is that if you are keeping track of the years with the books, yes. iPads didn't exist in The Lost Hero when Melly has her little iPad checking them in. That's fun. iPads did not exist yet. So I Rick predicted wow. the iPad. He did. And he he Kennedy, did. That was
1: a year ago. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I'm still a little bit gagged that someone in real life told you to be more critical on your podcast. And I think it's like I've no one has ever said that to us before. So I'm I'm gagged. I think it's important
0: <laughs> to find people in your life who will tell you 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 could be more of a hater.
1: That's Carter for me. So people
0: will tell you that you can, but but you can. Carter and you can tells find me that way. every
1: day. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Percy getting back on the F train. He has to go to school. Um, some observations about the way alternative high school looks. Um, And then we get this scene where he's talking to the school secretary and Rick, as the teacher that he is, has to shout out school secretaries and say, school secretaries really do know everything. Shout Mm -hmm. out to our friend, Sammy's mom, who was the middle school secretary for our school.
0: Literally knew everything. It's so true. And
1: everyone, everyone, all their parents, all your siblings their tea. What grades you're getting?
2: Yeah. Do you think secretaries just, like, flip through the yearbook and, like, memorize kids' names and faces? I feel like they flip through the yearbook and they spill tea on everyone they see, you know? <laughs> Oh, my gosh,
1: yes. And then we, anyway, yeah, we have this Poseidon, Poseidon phone call. We get to school. We find out that Poseidon called ahead to say Percy would be coming in late. And this was such an interesting choice that Percy himself remarks on. He was like, my dad has not showed up for me in situations far worse than this one. Do you want to read it? Yeah. This is page 329 in Carter's ebook. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he said, sometimes it's the smallest waves that knock you off your feet. Tsunamis. Everybody knows they're powerful. Tidal waves, big and impressive. But those small waves, they hold a lot of power. They prove what the ocean is capable of, even when no one is paying attention. Margaret slid a hall pass across the counter. She smiled as if to say, this is all very nice and your dad sounds great, but I need my phone back now. Okay, dad, I said, I understand. In fact, I had no idea what he was talking about. I've always kept an eye on you, Percy, he said. Mostly from a distance, it's true. I've watched you save the world multiple times, conquering enemies that would scare most immortals. But it wasn't until today that I realized how much of a hero you truly are. A lump formed in my throat. Because I dared to go to brunch? Poseidon chuckled. No, that was just foolhardy. You'd never catch me at one of Zeus's brunches. I mean, when you expect- I I mean, when you accepted Garrus's challenge. You could have walked away. Left Ganymede to his fate. Probably even gotten Garrus to write you a recommendation letter instead. The way Poseidon spelled out what I'd been thinking at the time, I wondered if he could read my mind. Or maybe he just understood me the way he understood the ocean's moods. Like the sea, I was part of him. Instead, he continued, you honored your promise. You risked your life for a cupbearer you barely knew, not for a letter, not because the fate of the world was at stake, but because that's just who you are. Today, you created a small wave and you showed what the ocean is capable of. My eyes were getting watery. If I wasn't careful, I was going to start a saltwater flood right here in the office. I want to hear everybody's thoughts on that passage and the inclusion of this phone call in this book.
3: He kind of had me in the first half where I was like, oh yeah, today I realize how much of a hero you are. Like After everything else that has happened, today is when you start to pay attention. But then the Mm -hmm. second half, it was really nice. It was more of just like, he's just a good guy and that like heroes can do small things as well. And it's not just about, are you going to save his his girlfriend? girlfriend. (laughs) Yeah, that's what makes me here like adjusting the hat. Yeah, but that yeah. It, it is about the little things as well, and how all of that can build up to bigger things. So I thought that was a nice thing to have. Like you can change little things around you every day. Like it's not just one big action. So I think that's like a nice lesson almost to take away from it too.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like Poseidon is just telling Percy like, "I see you. Like all the small things. I know who you are. And if there's one thing you are, it's loyal."
1: Mm. I find maybe one of the most interesting parts of this passage to be the like the ocean, I am a part of him. I felt like that was a lot for Percy to say because he doesn't really like to identify with his dad. Yeah. And so to say, like, my dad inherently understands me because we are inherently similar in personality and the way that we see the world, that felt like a big moment of growth to me.
0: I think that there is a way in which this passage is much more classical for the middle grade fantasy genre than a lot of other ways that Rick has chosen historically to wrap up the books mm. where Poseidon here is just being correct.
1: Yeah, and he's like saying the right thing.
0: He is saying things that we the reader and Rick the author agrees with and he is emotionally hitting all the points that he's supposed to hit. And I don't think that that's really happened that much before. And it I I honestly don't know how I feel about it as a departure. Like, it feels good to hear him say these things, but Mm. I am also like when Percy said that thing about like being a part of Poseidon, I was, I was like, that is kind of mature in a way, but I, I I don't know. Like, I I don't know if like, I don't trust Poseidon that much. Mm. And when he is correct for this many pages in a row, I'm like, okay. Okay. Yeah.
1: What do you want from him? Yeah. Like what is your ulterior motive in saying these nice things?
0: When is it going to stop? And when are we going to hear something else that I don't like now? You know, like, Mm -hmm.
1: maybe it's comes, maybe this is part of like the getting older theme of the book that like the older you get, the more you can start to empathize with your parent that may be a not so great parent all the time and recognize like, Oh, maybe there is something kind of inherent that they understand about me that I understand about them. And that doesn't, you know, excuse the way that they've treated me in the past. But now that I'm getting older, I'm in a better place to accept some of their advice and to see myself in them.
0: I Yeah,
2: sense. I feel like it also makes sense with kind of how Ganymede chose Percy for the quest, knowing that he wouldn't be tempted to drink from it. It's kind of like similar in that vein where it's like there's a more inherent understanding of who Percy is and not like Poseidon trying to make Percy who he wants him to be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's really nice. Mm-hmm. And then we go to chapter 33, one more jolly rancher. For old time's sake. Carter, you really like the imagery in this chapter, right? With The last <laughs> blue Jolly Rancher. You mentioned it like a couple weeks ago.
0: I know. Yeah, I got confused. Uh, but <laughs> I, I, I do like the imagery. I, I think Jolly Ranchers are a good choice because they feel like school, but they also feel outdated. Does that make sense? Like, like the image, timeless?
1: Outdated or like vintage outdated? Like
0: vintage outdated. Like oh. the image of a single Jolly Rancher in a jar. I feel like the, the image that they're presenting, the single small child blue chair, the single blue Jolly Rancher in the jar, it is mm-hmm. giving... You are old.
2: Mm, yeah. Things are
0: progressing. You are noticing changes, mm. and and you are in a place that that is gr- growing to become too too small and too old for for the things that you are trying to accomplish and the place that you are in your life.
1: Yeah, we go to the guidance counselor's office from the secretary phone call, um, and we have to have one last check in with you, Dora. Um <laughs> We have to check in with Sicky Frog on the wall, which is one of my favorite parts of this book, that little <laughs> description. In this chapter, I think he's like I'm pretty sure Sicky Frog is sentient now. That is so funny. <laughs> oh my god. It was very funny to me. Yeah. I feel like I've had this exact experience of like I saw the same pediatrician from the time I was 0 to 23 and they you know, they have the same like photos and like little art on the wall. Ever from my time I was zero to 23. And I definitely created emotional relationships with like the different teddy bears on the wall in the different exam rooms, you know, in the pediatrician. I felt like this was a very specific and striking description. <laughs> yeah, we have a little check in here.
0: Yeah, the dynamics are very different. This is not giving chat with a wise old mentor who knows everything that's correct. This is giving she is still really afraid of Percy <laughs> and uh Wreckage that he could unleash upon her career and livelihood (laughs) at any moment.
1: As I would be too. This is like 99% of the people that exist in the Riordanverse are like women trying to go about their lives, terrified that Percy Jackson is going to come in and ruin their career.
0: Because of whose dad is. Because of his dad.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They talk about the the paper.
0: Um, Yeah, Eudora Eudora apparently is a a stationary girly. Yeah, she
1: shops at Muji. Me too.
0: No, yeah, I, I don't think Eudora is adding that much value here, to be honest. Um she's, she, funny. she's funny, she doesn't really get it, she's kind of scared, and she's like, I hope you had a good time. Did you learn something? And he's like, mm, not really. I think I knew these things going in, and she was like, Well.
3: Okay. I do want to ask though about that. So Sokar, like you said, she asked, like, oh, did you learn anything? And he says, I think we both did. And she's like, What? He's like, Oh, nothing. Like, what do you think he meant by that response of saying, I think we both did?
1: I don't know. I had the same question. I was like, what's the joke? I get that it's funny, but I don't I don't think the joke landed on me. Where she says, I'm so glad to hear that. I think this experience would make a great subject for your personal essay on the application. Bravery, initiative, self-discovery. Yeah, I said, trying not to care about the fact that I would have to write yet another essay. I think we all learned an important lesson here today. Sorry, forget
0: it. I, I think he's mad that she didn't tell him that He could ask multiple gods. The lesson is
3: be on top of your shit. The lesson
0: is explain the requirements to children. Oh.
3: (laughs)
1: Oh. Thank you for explaining the
2: joke.
0: Well, I mean, she didn't learn the lesson. So, like, I think (laughs) it was ambiguous. Again,
1: Uh, I am you, Dora. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And then we go to chapter 34, which is so cute. Oh, my God. We're back at the apartment. Uh, Oh,
0: yeah, the this entire is chapter is basically a group writing of Percy's rec letter.
1: It's so cute. First, they have dinner. Annabeth comes over again. And then after dinner, they, like, all get into the living room and they try to write Percy's letter together by, like, narrating it out loud with the gag of that the words appear on the paper when you say them. And they're all laughing at him, like, the entire time. <laughs> like This event is completely at his expense because they're, like, making fun of him and, like, ha- giving him a hard time. It's like I saw it like I the way I pictured the scene in my head, because I feel like I saw it so vividly was like I was looking like one of those shots at the end of the movie where
0: it pushes through the window. Yes, Carter.
1: (laughs) Yes. Almost like in the animated Peter Pan where you start outside of the building and you see like their house is lit up and, you know, it's the holidays. So like there's maybe like a Christmas tree and you start to slowly push in where you're seeing them or even pull out where you're seeing them like laughing and hanging out and like giggling and they almost look like silhouettes. Um, and you're just seeing this like, oh, the perfect image of this like perfect domestic moment in time. That's like never going to be recreated. It's comfortably domestic. Going
3: off. It's oh. the domestic Persebeth we've been begging for since yes! 2001.
1: <laughs> and by Persebeth, we mean Annabeth on the floor laughing with Sally and Paul at Percy's expense. <laughs>
2: yes, <laughs> i do love that before they start writing it percy's like so paul if i just turned in this blank sheet of paper but it's like a really nice sheet of paper would you give me an a <laughs> and he says no you'd still i'd still ask you to provide examples to prove your thesis
1: it was <laughs> such a self-insert moment yes yes i want to be a high school english teacher so bad one day <laughs> like truly that's my final form I'm really looking forward to that. I don't know when it's going to
0: happen, but. But also, I'm it's so like, a like the gods to give a
2: blank sheet of paper.
0: Yes. Mm. 100%. Then, I mean, this is what I think the, how would I put this? Like, not to shade anyone. I don't think anyone I know personally has ever done this. But like, there were some teachers who were like, really, really busy. And they liked you. But. Well, they yeah, would go they're like, like
2: oh, write your own recommendation letter. And I'll just sign it.
0: Yes. Mm. Yes. Which is like a sign of respect and that they trust you, but also, like, I don't, like, I think that that's rude. For me, personally, if I'm if, if somebody were to ever ask me in my career for an, a recommendation oh, yeah. letter, I'm writing it.
3: I feel like it's such a huge compliment to you to be asked to write a recommendation letter because it means the person asking you values you so highly and feels that like you have a special relationship. Like I asked someone to be a reference for me for a job and she was like, Oh my God, no one's ever asked me before. Like, thank you so much. That's so exciting. That means so much <gasps> to me. <Aww. laughs>
1: so, yeah. Sherry, do you remember who wrote your college recommendation letter?
3: Yes. I asked for
2: three. I got my history teacher cause he was my absolute favorite shout out Mr. Wagner. <gasps> I at one point wanted to become a high school history teacher because I loved his class so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I asked my math teacher, who was also the like head of NHS or whatever. And I was like on the council and she was like really honored because like she was kind of like known to be strict. So like people didn't like asking her cause they were like, oh my gosh, she's going to write a horrible one. She was like, I will write you like the best letter ever. And I also asked my English teacher in 11th grade.
1: Listener of seaweed brain, Mr. Wagner, Sherry's high <laughs> school history
3: teacher. Shout out to you. Also, so your listeners don't kill me. I realize I set the wrong year for when the lightning thief came out um it very much was not 2001 and i just want people to know that i know that <laughs>
1: i didn't even pick up on that so you're fine
2: i i don't have okay. any memory oh my god <laughs> at the um
3: 92 ny event
2: two days ago yesterday yesterday the people i was sitting next to i think they were probably like high school they were like, oh my God, this book came out so long ago. I think the first book came out in 2010. And like, I didn't want to correct them because they looked like high schoolers. I was like, they're going to be shook when they go- open Wikipedia and see 2004. They were like, 2004?
0: There, are there have been whole children born since these books were written. The books.
2: They were gagged. They were like, there must be people in this audience that were born after the movie came out?
1: Oh my God. <laughs>
0: When oh, we man. when we were having conversations about the about like the TV adaptations, one of the things that we kept talking about was like there are now like it's not just that there are multiple versions of the Percy Jackson stories. There are different generations. Tellings. There are different generations of people coming to the story, and there are generationally separated tellings of the story. Like this TV show is going to be a whole arguably generation after the books. They were taking a fresh yeah. look at the material. It's wild.
3: Well, there there are people that may watch the show and have never read the books. They're like, Oh, this is some cool new thing on Disney Plus. Yeah. Let's check it out. Like mm-hmm. I watched the movie before i ever read the books. Fun fact.
1: Uh-huh. That's okay. That's okay. That happened to many people. There All was right. a
3: there's a really cute girl on the bus that was reading the books. And I thought, Oh, Aww. this movie this movie is out. Let me go watch this movie. We could talk about it. And then I, loved the movie, and then I love the movie. You girls love Percy Jackson. I know, right? I know. know. Shout out to that cute girl on the bus for changing my life. Thank you.
1: (laughs) I've never met a cute girl who doesn't love Percy Jackson, and I've never met someone who loves Percy Jackson who isn't a cute girl. So
0: period. So true. Other people know.
1: I will also say about the 92 NY event since we were there last night, 24 hours ago. um, Speaking of this generational thing, there was a question and answer that was like, somebody asked, where is your favorite place to find magic? asking as a newly minted big kid and I felt like the air go out of the room for a second and everybody like took like an inhale and there was like a silent like oh and everyone was like oh my god so many of us are old here like I just felt in that moment like the entire room be like wow some of us are old and this is a very different experience for us than it is for like the little kids who are here and Rick's answer was public libraries. (laughs)
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. also I saw the cutest group of like maybe 10 year old boys all like lined up with their books taking a picture where, in like front of the stage it was the cutest thing I was like I didn't know children this small read this book oh <laughs> I mean weren't we this small reading these books
1: yes <laughs> yes yeah. I yeah. guess <laughs> I, had an, I was at a restaurant right before the event and I was in my camp shirt and there was like a table of like people who like looked like they were maybe 14 or 15 and they were like I love your shirt and I was like oh my god hi we had a a conversation and I like saw like baby Carter and Erica like <laughs> like at this little restaurant in their gaggle of friends it was they were so precious oh my god it's like young people anyway gen- yeah multiple generational stories I don't know how we got on that tangent but we're writing the letter
0: we're writing the letter Dave Brubeck's quartet is playing in the background I only mention this because we've picked up every music reference that they've put in this is the only one I think we've had so far that I co-signed
1: we love Dave Brubeck. It's, we love Dave Brubeck. That's probably why I thought it was, I thought Christmas tree. I don't know. Jazz, holidays.
0: Jazz, holidays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Disney tie-in. Shout out to that.
1: hmm hmm
0: Should we read any of this? <laughs> I don't know. It's all so funny. It's all really funny. Treat yourself. Reread the scene. Read the scene. Um hmm I highly recommend Percy Jackson from New Rome University. He's adorable and has nice eyes. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs>
1: oh my god when annabeth is nice does it doesn't it just gag you like it is it's
2: like so almost scary it, yeah yeah it's, it's just like a, what's about to happen <laughs> <laughs> no, i'm like girl look at you
0: being you know vulnerable I mean?
2: like piper
1: taught mm-hmm. you something yeah and not to say that she doesn't say nice cute things before she meets piper but like that's what i think i think that piper showed her a lot about her well, I know the whole point of the books is that like Percy teaches her about her humanity, and we talked about that recently. But really, I think Piper teaches her about her
3: <laughs> emotional vulnerability. Well, I feel like so much also of Percy and Amber's, like relationship relationship happened outside of the books. Like the whole six months from when they started dating to when Lost Hero starts, we don't get to see any of that. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much of their actual relationship where they would have those cute moments that we just aren't allowed to see because we only really get to mm-hmm. see the trauma inducing moments. Wow, is it really 6 months of
1: time we don't have? It's like a re- it's like from yeah. August
0: until like like October like November or something that he disappears.
1: Wow. No, it was over in December.
0: Winter. We like see them and he's already gone,
1: right? Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of um book material right there. That's a lot of gray space in the history and um, the lore that we could write books about. Anyway, The letter is written. We sign it. Everybody has sparkling water. Paul cheers his wine glass and he says to Percy, our own family hero. Oh, I love life. This book made me (laughs) love life. You know, it made me appreciate the little things.
2: (laughs) Yeah. All the little moments where he's just like staring out at the city, just like little pockets of vignettes. So cute.
1: Yeah. You just moved to New York, Sherry. Do you want to speak on that section (laughs) where Percy talks about looking into the windows and how he loves- seeing everybody go about their little lives in New York City and how special that is.
2: Yeah. Um. As a nosy person, I do love looking into people's windows <laughs> to see what they're doing. <laughs> but also this reminds me of that like one segment in um, The Great Gatsby where, what, who's it, Nick? He's just like staring into the windows and like that was one of like my favorite books in high school that we had to read. And I think that's like what first made me want to move to New York, just like being able to like look into people's windows and be like, huh. That's so nice how they're living life.
0: Are you referring to the section when, like, Nick goes to the city for the first time in the book and, like, has, like, maybe a bisexual awakening moment?
2: (laughs) Was it? I don't remember the book
1: that (laughs) well. I think scholars have argued about this for generations, actually. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Saltburn in theaters now. In case you were wondering, what would it be like if they leaned a little bit more into the canonical bisexuality of Nick Carraway? Um,
1: Also, The Chosen and the Beautiful and Incredible retelling of Great Gatsby. I highly recommend.
3: Lachlan, where would you like to go back to? Oh, yes. um, For those with the Barnes Noble copy, page 260. Not you shading us (laughs) like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, with my little extra bits at the end, even though they didn't give me a sticker and I'm so salty about that. Anyway, the um, part where Sally says to Paul that she has a smart kid and Paul's like, yes, you do. I think he gets that from your side. And then Percy's like, it's one thing to be called the son of Poseidon, but getting noticed for being anything like my mom, that's a compliment. Which just, we love Sally Jackson praise any second we can get it.
1: Absolutely. And this is something I am looking forward to being expounded upon in coming iterations.
3: And (laughs) Sally
2: is the best mom, period.
3: I just also thought the placement of it was interesting coming just after Percy's call with Poseidon, where he's Mm -hmm. sort of talking about their similarities, like sort of alluding to it, like with them, we expounded upon it more. But I just find... These two moments where he's like, yeah, we're kind of similar. But also, like, I'd rather be compared to my mom <laughs> still. <laughs> like, exactly. So yes. Because
1: that's yeah. what sets Percy apart. Like, that's his whole thing is that he is more Sally's son than he is Poseidon. Yeah. And that's why he, he turns is more mortal. mortality. He's more mortal. And that's what makes him special. <sighs> also, quick shout out to Rick's roasting of Goodreads. Um, where we talk about Sally getting one, a one-star review for her book, even though it's not out yet. Um, <laughs> apparently, the reviewer didn't like that the title Love Songs of the Gods Promoted Paganism. That feels like a
0: personal attack. That is a lovely detail. Shout out to you, Rick, for letting the people know yeah. that so you do not care what they think about your maybe paganism.
3: Who heard <laughs> you, Rick,
1: when you <laughs> released thing- The Lightning Thief? <laughs> It's a very specific dig at Goodreads specifically, the online platform owned by Amazon, because then Percy goes on to say, I offered to talk to Hilla, queen of the Amazons and fearsome monarch of online retailing, about removing the review. But my mom said there was no need. (laughs) I feel like if you talk to any author, they would be like, yeah, Goodreads has ruined an already very toxic industry. So
0: there's a very lovely conversation about this on it's only the podcast that ended like a month and a half ago. Into it. Into it. I feel terrible. I did listen to every episode. It was my
1: top podcast next to Pop Culture Happy Hour this year. Wow. Rest in peace, Into It.
0: Sam Sanders had a lovely episode that was just about the effect of Goodreads and yes. online reviewing culture on We'll books. link that in our
1: show notes. Also, you can read Yellow by Rebecca Quang if you want a satire about how terrible the
2: Goodreads culture is. <laughs> also, I just love that Rick has headcanon that the queen of the Amazons, like the people, is also the head of Amazon the corporation <laughs> he did that he really did he said let me take away jeff bezos's accomplishments
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then, we I would... love female ceos yeah. <laughs> yes
1: and then we have pretty much the best goodnight kiss ever i have to say the fact that we get annabeth coming over for dinner and we have this big beautiful in-person family scene and then annabeth goes home and then we get to come back to their bedtime phone call this is the most like High school, like, adorableness. I could even imagine that, like, they start talking to each other. And he's like, yeah, I mean, we just saw each other. But somehow when she smiles at me over FaceTime, it's different because it's, like, it's intimate. It's just us. And, like, oh, my God. It's it's so cute. (laughs) They talk about their days. He talks about his interaction with Athena, right?
0: It's Athena and Barbara. Athena, obviously, for sparing person, and Barbara because she's Annabeth's fangirl, who you may remember, Mm-hmm. Only helped Percy on the condition that she got a signed photograph.
3: I love how that's not surprising to Annabeth. Like, clearly this is not the first time someone has wanted her autograph.
1: Yeah, it's, she says she was delighted to hear about Barbara's request for a selfie and
2: an autograph. She says, of course, happy to. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like that Annabeth has now become more famous in the PJO world yes. than Percy. Yes, yes.
1: She literally does at least to the people who live on Mount Olympus. She's that an would make architect. Sense. Uh,
3: yeah, but Percy says I was a little surprised by how unsurprised she sounded. <laughs> Maybe she got these requests all the time and just didn't talk about them. Yeah, like she didn't want to like make him feel sad that she was becoming more popular. Like she's like, yeah, like you're a pretty like progressive guy, but also I don't want to hurt your ego. So like we're just we're just gonna tone it down a little bit.
1: <laughs> also, that like people ask for Annabeth's autograph, but people ask Percy to do things for them that's uh-huh. yes. <laughs> they <laughs> occupy different spaces culturally oh my god they really do and then of course we have to talk about the yankees cap and the itchiness and mm-hmm. um annabeth has to follow in the great footsteps of rumpelstiltskin and 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 tell percy all power comes with a price
0: uh, <laughs>
1: <she the> <laughs> yeah I do because i do think annabeth loves once a time. i think annabeth
0: is like robert carlisle
1: Was my childhood crush? Yes, I do. Robert Carlyle did eat. (laughs) Everyone know that to be true. Um, Speaking of your mom, I told her what had happened at the brunch when Athena locked eyes with me under the table. Annabeth's expression was difficult to read. Iris' messages were always a little hazy, but she looked like she was trying to sew my words together in her mind to make a coherent story out of them. Wow. She said at last. Yeah. She helped you. I guess she didn't kill me anyway. You know what this means? She stretched her hand toward me. Her fingers dispersed into water and light as they hit the iris message, but I reached toward her anyway. When the image reformed, it looked as if our hands had merged, fused together at our lifelines. Annabeth was smiling again. My mom gets it, Annabeth said. It's weird that she did it before, seeing as she's usually so far ahead of everyone else, but I guess this isn't a battlefield. Sorry, she gets what? She laughed. How serious I am about you, seaweed brain. My chest tightened, but it wasn't an unpleasant feeling. More like a snug, woolly sweater being wrapped around me. So you think she helped me for your sake? As I said it, I realized it made a lot of sense at least way more sense than Athena helping me for any other reason. She knows I'm going to see this through, Annabeth said. I'm going to make sure we both get to adulthood and have a chance to settle down, hopefully after having a lot of fun when we're in college. You had me at fun, I said. Actually, you had me at the whole thing. I told her what I had thought about while I wrestled Gareth, how I decided to hug it out with old age because any future that had us in it was a future I wanted to live through. Oh my gods. Annabeth brushed away a tear. You know, sometimes you can be so sweet. Only sometimes. Let's stay focused, shall we?
3: Oh my god, reading that so felt like you wrapped up in a woolly sweater. <laughs> yes, I agree.
2: Yes. Have you guys seen Elemental? The like new Pixar. Movie? Yes,
0: we have seen it. Yes,
2: the um. Shh. <laughs> it reminds me yeah when they're like hands touch for the first time and they like change each other's chemistry mm. Oh. Mm. That, that that this image was very cute i yeah. i can't believe
1: percy <laughs> percy's little he's so poetic you know <laughs> he said and then our, it looks like our hands fused into i just wow
3: at our <laughs> lifelines oh.
1: at our lifelines Oh, god He's so <sighs> precious and meaningful and, and they've been through so much together.
2: <laughs> He's come a long way from hummus.
3: <laughs> what a callback.
2: He's come a long way from
1: I don't trust everybody else doing <laughs> this and I have to go and take the invisibility cap and take matters into my own hands. And Also, Annabeth, like, like we were just saying like when she's nice it's like freaky like she just shed a tear like that's big mm-hmm. she said my heart is open and i am vulnerable mm-hmm. and i love you and that takes a lot for her i think to do and i just you love to see it thank you piper for bringing our girl to this point here today <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's also just such a beautiful moment of them reflecting on like we've lived through some insane stuff but we like we're so close to this beautiful thing that we'll get to have together and like and that makes all of this stuff worth it because like we helped each other through it
0: yeah
1: i think in the name of Persibeth, i'm going to read the very last few lines and then we're going to ask you guys a couple questions yeah. okay let's stay focused shall we you still have two more letters of recommendation to get before winter break that means two more quests for the gods easy queasy you mean peasy No, I'm pretty sure it makes me queasy. But we'll make it, right? I mean, even if your mom is on our side. I mean, if even your mom is on our side. I wouldn't press too hard on that point, but it's a good sign. And yes, we'll make it. Hey, Percy? Yeah. I hate to break it to you, but I think I might love you. Ah, crud, I was afraid of that. I love you too. Finish your homework. Good night. Good night, wise girl. And as we always did, we rolled toward each other, breaking the iris message as we came together, but in the mist and the last flecks of light, I thought I could smell her presence and feel the warmth of her hug. Honestly, that was enough to make me believe anything was possible. Except homework. I fell asleep almost immediately, and for once, I had pleasant dreams.
2: This just made me realize: Percy Jackson and Annabeth Chase are the definition of black cat girlfriend and golden retriever boyfriend.
1: Correct. <laughs> they invented that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. They roll towards one another like this. Little. I feel like we're witnessing like the ritual
0: with yes. the hand yes. thing and
1: the rolling. Yes. Like this is their this is their routine. And
0: it's, it's different. It's another mode of communication yes. for them that sets itself apart from. Instances where, like, I really enjoy reading them have to navigate a relationship together amidst specific conflict and challenges, but it is also nice to juxtapose that against them just having a conversation. Yes. And using literally, like, different language that clearly is kind of still new and uncomfortable and not as (laughs) tidy and worked out As the language that they, as, like, narrators and just, like, characters having dialogue have in most of the rest of the books. Like, it feels...
1: Like, they're a little awkward and cute around each other. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a first relationship.
0: Yeah. With people who, like, know each other really well, but are still, like, in, like... Like, they're, like, settled in the relationship, but I think they're still, like, not...
1: Do you know what I mean? It's new. I mean, they've only been dating for... It's been, like, a year. Seven months. A year at this point? Well,
0: but then he's, like, missing for a large chunk of, you
1: know. Yeah. 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 It's been, it's been a short period of time, and this is, like, their first relationship, and all of that is still true, even though they did also go through Tartarus together, like.
0: I think you would imagine them still, like, figuring out what it means for them to communicate their affection for each other in domesticity and times of peace and comfort beyond the existing friendship that they've had for years and Mm -hmm. i think watching them get to that point Mm -hmm. is really rewarding yeah even though some theaters might be like they sound like 16 year olds in their first relationship because they are they are (laughs) 17
1: but yeah also like
2: before their relationship was colored a lot by trauma that they shared and now they just get to like coexist and like live life even though Mm -hmm. you know there's still the quest but like it's much
3: lower stakes than if you don't win we all die Mm -hmm. yeah but they also like they also get to go home at the end of the day with these quests Mm -hmm. as well like like they're almost like mini side quests compared to what we've dealt with before mm-hmm. like they they both get to go home they're also going to school even though school sucks it's better than fighting monsters <laughs> and again like i yeah. said earlier with the timeline like they only had four months to start dating and then percy was gone for six and then the world almost ended so this is the first consistent amount of time that they've had together where they're in it's the same place because she's in new york he's in new york whereas previously they've been across the country from each other so now they actually get time mm-hmm. together outside of being demigods and just get to figure out what it's like to date and be with somebody you really care about and it's just beautiful yeah. and adorable to a they just get to be people for once
1: yeah, yeah. you do have to experience what it's like to have trauma bonded by falling asleep in hell together yeah. and then have to be like oh we need to facetime before we go to bed. Let's figure out the logistics of that. Let's create a routine so that we both can like express our feelings before we go to bed and yeah. roll into each other and just, yeah you know. So that being said, Lachlan and Sherry, do you believe Percibeth is the greatest love story ever told?
2: Yes.
3: Who's going to go first?
0: Woo! We are getting so spoiled these days. Yeah, we
1: need to bring on a hater.
0: People fought us a lot in, like, the first few seasons.
1: Yeah, they really tried to be like, well, that's a big question. And, like, let's really break that down.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but, like, Percy and Annabeth's relationship is, like, what I aspire to. Like, do I want a Percy? Do I want Annabeth? Who fucking real real real. (laughs) Yeah, you can swear here you can swear here (laughs) okay (laughs) i don't know if i like want to be i don't know what i'm saying but you know who fucking cares they're perfect for each other and also i identify so strongly with both of them i'm like can i just be both of you at once
3: Mm-hmm. And find someone that's
2: also both of you at once.
3: <laughs> Can I be like really mushy gushy for a second? <laughs> Following up <on> yes. Because <laughs> it's Good like, place. looking at like reading this whole bit, it just it reminds me so much of me and my partner. And like we we've known each other for ten years. We weren't allowed to date while we were in high school. We like kind of fell apart from each other in college, and they got back together a year ago. And I moved down to, like, his city to be with him while he finishes school. And then, like, we're talking about, like, where we're going to move together long term. So, it like, it feels like we finally got to this point that they're at right now, where it's, like, we got through all the insanity, all of the obstacles against us, and now we just get this little moment of, like, we adopted a kitten together. And, like, so we're just sitting on the couch, Aww. like, playing with her. And then my other cat is off in the corner. And he just said, like, I just love our little family. And, like, and that just – it has the same, like, cozy feeling of this – so it just Jacqueline, so i was so just so reading i was rereading you. this and just like this is this is it i get what they're feeling because it's what i'm feeling and it's really cute oh my gosh i'm living so through special. percy
2: and annabeth
3: yeah. Say <laughs> it with me
1: everyone lord i see what you have given to others
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but in all seriousness that's very special and thank you for sharing that with us yes.
3: And, and, we then we'll a- <laughs> and then i do have aspirational and then i have one gripe the, the, this chapter is called like the the pretty much the best good night kiss ever where's the kiss mm. where is it <gasps> where is it that's funny is it supposed that's to be then, like funny. rolling towards I each as other they
0: roll into each other it's like a version mm. that's a really that's, that's a funny trash. but all he says it's is he like feels maybe hard.
3: He says yeah. he feels the hug, not yeah. like
1: he can like yeah. feel himself
2: kissing. Mm,
3: where's the
1: kiss? <laughs> Rick got really caught up in the whole like and for once I didn't look back and it was pretty much the best underwater kiss of all time to the and it was pretty much the best goodnight kiss of all time and for once I didn't have bad dreams. He was like yes. I nailed it. Like that is how we have to end the book. And then <laughs> he, he, thought forgot- he ate that. <laughs> 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 He's like it was implied. I not think it was. It was. Yeah, funny. I think it. Literally, it, it I did not know no, it
0: until you just said that. And we read the chapter. <laughs> we read the title of the chapter like several times.
3: That's funny. I noticed it the first time I read I it, it and i looked up, like, wait. <laughs> like, yes, all that was adorable. Yes, all the little personal connections, but also where was it? Rick? <laughs> Richard? <laughs> Richard? Richard. Richard. Oh. <laughs> Richard.
1: Any final thoughts? Anything you want, anyone want us to get out there before we close off here tonight?
3: I, I I missed it. I missed the trio. I missed the first person Percy and I'm just happy to have it again in my life.
2: One week. I love a nostalgia trap and this was a very <laughs> good satisfactory nostalgia trap.
1: Yeah. Yes. yes! <laughs> All right. Y'all, I literally uh, have been doing nothing but Percy Jackson. It feels <laughs> like lately eat, no no sleep, no eat, no no water, only Percy Jackson. And that's because in one week From this episode premiering December 20th, we're going to start the Disney Plus show. And And we're going to start it. Oh, my God. a live stream. Yeah, we are. So, (laughs) you know, Disney has been known to change release times um, lately. So we're going to keep an eye on that. But assuming they do stick with a midnight PST or... 12 a.m. Wednesday morning. We will be streaming at exactly that time on YouTube, watching the episode at home with a bunch of our friends. Um, I'll make sure that link is in our show notes. If if you don't have anybody to watch the show with and you want to come join us, please do. And then we will be, that Wednesday, uh, discussion and analysis deep dive on the first episode will be out. The following Friday, we'll have episode two with a special guest. And then the pattern will be Wednesday evenings, Eastern time, live watch alongs on Patreon. Friday mornings, analysis episode drops available to everybody. Um, yes. If anyone has questions about that, feel free to message me. I know it's confusing. There's a lot of content coming out right
0: now. And just to clarify, this first watch along for the premiere is not on Patreon. It's on there's, YouTube. It's going to be a YouTube live. Come link. hang
1: out. It's free.
0: Specifically, we were having conversations about how we thought that for the premiere in particular, we wanted to offer people who maybe are like also elderly like us and don't have necessarily a ton of people in your real life to watch the show with an opportunity to watch it with people yeah specifically us
1: yeah and our friends who will be (laughs) (laughs) certain to say unhinged things i'm sure Um, (laughs) (laughs) so make sure you stick around make sure you follow us on social medias because i know there are people who follow us on spotify who don't follow us on social media so at seaweed brain podcast instagram at seaweed brain pod on twitter and we will see you guys next wait tomorrow Tomorrow. (gasps) (laughs) We're also releasing an episode tomorrow, Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern time. They changed it. The embargo is going to lift and we are going to be releasing an episode about all of the tea we heard in several press junkets this week. I'm talking the showrunners, the cast, the VFX designer, the set designer, the Dan Hanna, the production designer, the costume designer. I'm talking Rick and Becky answering whether person is the greatest love story ever told so make sure you tune in tomorrow (laughs) i will literally not be sleeping wednesday evening december 13th there's a lot of exciting stuff going on okay i think that's it (laughs) we will see you guys there
0: yes bye all thank you guys for (laughs)
1: joining us